this week we're beginning a new series titled Tempted, talking about temptation in our lives. And as I came to the idea of temptation, I wondered where we should begin. And well, I think we need to define temptation. And honestly, I always thought it was best to start at the beginning. So we're going to be over in the beginning this morning, over in Genesis chapter 3. In there, in Genesis chapter 3, you know, we've seen the creation accounts of 1 and 2, and, you know, we're not very far in. And we find this account. It says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it, or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he also ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, so they sewed big leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you and praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as the best of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us, and we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake, that all God's people say. Amen. I was tempted this morning to tell Matt to preach, but after that scurvy comment, I'm, <laughs> I think we should just go ahead and level through. But, uh, in order to live a successful Christian life, we have to understand temptation. Um, and to understand it, we have to define it. We see here as we read Genesis chapter 3, the first thing is that temptation alone is not a sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. Sometimes I think we get confused. Sometimes... We find ourselves struggling in life, and we begin to get confused about the nature of temptation. We all have those sins that are the ones that we struggle with. So that we have the same sin that we struggle with time and again, and every time we seem to lose the battle. <coughs> and so we begin to feel guilty when we struggle. We begin to feel like we've somehow lost something when we struggle. We begin to think maybe that this temptation, that this struggle itself is a sin, but it's not a sin. Notice in the passage that sin was not marked until they bit, until an action occurred. This entire, this entire scene is always one of the, the most interesting to me in Scripture. I mean, that scene would have played out differently in my head. They're walking along in the garden and the serpent asks the question and she answers it. I would have thought, holy smoke, we're talking snake, but there it was. I mean, she just answers the question and has this conversation. And, and there they are in the midst of this, hearing what God has said and what God hasn't said. And God, you know, we don't know if God ever told Eve. We do realize that, right? We know that God told Adam in chapter 2, don't eat of the fruit. 
We never see him telling Eve to eat the fruit. And in fact, Eve adds something, does she not? Can't eat of it. You can't even touch it. You ever done that with your kids? You added that to it. Don't even touch it. Don't even touch it. Why, why do we do that? Because of the temptation, right? Don't even touch it. If you don't have it in your hands, you're less likely to fall into that trap. And she's added this. So we don't know if this is Adam's told her, God's told her what, but there it is. There's this whole passage, this whole account of what goes on. And they haven't sinned yet. They're thinking about it. They're looking at it. But there is no sin. If it was a sin to struggle, then we're here for nothing. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Even Jesus experienced temptation. <coughs> Just think about that. Jesus experienced it. It's not something that we do by ourselves. That should scare us a little bit too, right? We can't use that as an excuse anymore. I'm not Jesus. Well, Jesus experienced temptation too. He went through the same thing. If Jesus had temptation, then temptation cannot be sin or his sacrifice was worthless. <coughs> that also has to know that God is not displeased when we're tempted. If you're here this morning and you've been struggling with guilt, you've been struggling with uh, feelings of inadequacy. You've been thinking, I, I, I keep, I keep falling back to this, and I keep struggling with this, and I keep, I keep, I keep going back and having this and this thought. And rejoice this morning because God's not displeased when you're tempted. The fact that you're tempted is a good thing. Why? Because it means you have a chance to stand. Temptation is is the natural way that our body can can stand up and do what needs to be done because. Temptation at its root will always deal with a choice. There's always a choice. The choice is whether or not to believe God. Charles Stanley gives the best definition of temptation I think I've ever read. He said, temptation can be briefly defined as an enticement of our natural God-given desires to go beyond God-given bounds. When we're tempted, we're tempted by things that God has naturally given us. God created us the way that we are. He created us to have certain drives and desires and, and thoughts. He created us that way. And God, when he created us, said what? It was good. Temptation isn't to take part in the desires is to take those desires beyond the bounds that God has given us. It's the choice of whether I do what needs to do. Do I, do I trust God, trust His promises, trust that He has my best interest at heart, that He isn't keeping good things from me? That's where we have a hard time, right? <clears throat> well, God must not want me to do this because that's the good stuff over there. That's what we do as teenagers too, right? Mom and dad say, you don't need to do this. Well, it's probably because the good stuff's over there. And mom and dad just told me to be in the good stuff yet. They don't want me to have it. That's, that's how we react. That's how our human nature for some reason. And so here, we, we have to check. I take the 10. Do we, do we trust God? Or do we trust our own desires? 
spiritual temptation is always the choice between trusting God or trusting me. We look at this text and it's God has put them in the garden. They're in paradise. It's funny how quickly we, we forget that we're in paradise sometimes. It's funny how quickly we forget that the things we have are good things and that they aren't so bad. I mean, Adam didn't have to go to work. There was no pain going to be in childbirth at that point, obviously, from what we read in the next few verses. This was, this was paradise. This was kick back and relax at the beach all day long and not to worry about doing anything. And the state comes along and says, hey, did God really say that? Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? Well, no, God didn't say that. He twisted God's words there a little bit, right? He said, you can eat from every tree, but don't eat from this tree. Flipped it on its head, and Eve started going, well. Oh, here's the other thing. Um, we tend to uh, put the blame on Eve here, right? I had a professor in college who told me that what he learned from Eve was not to let your wife pick your fruit. Um, but read the text. Adam was there. We know that Adam was told by God, don't do this. And he was there. And that man stood back and let his wife be the taste tester. Well, if she don't die, it must be okay. I mean, right? There was something wrong there anyway. There was something, there was something going on there. And so as we sit here, we can't do that. The spiritual temptation here is the choice between do I trust God or do I trust me? <clears throat> and the path that God has for you is always better than the path that you choose for yourself. Always. There have been times in, in our marriage where we have taken trips and taken wrong turns before Google Maps, back when we used an atlas in the car, before Terry learned how to navigate. Um, but there were times we would get lost, for lack of that word. And it wasn't even that we were lost. It was that we didn't go the direct route that I would have chosen. But in those times are some of the greatest memories we have. The times that we were lost. The things that we experienced. So often we look at our lives and we think, I know the path that I need to be on. And we start down that path. And we fight any inclination to get off that path. But God may have us go in a different direction. He may want us over here because we're missing something over there that we're not seeing that be on the path that we chose. God's path is always, always greater than the path that we would choose for ourselves. We have to make a choice. God or me. But there are consequences of trusting yourself over God that we find here in this passage. 
one is you have a corrupted view of yourself. It says, Then the eyes were opened and they knew they were naked. And they hid themselves. Their view of themselves went from purity to unholy. The view of who they were and who God had created them to be changed. They went from being God's perfect creation to God's marred creation in their eyes. When we choose ourselves over God, the view we have of ourselves gets corrupted. We also have a damaged relationship with God. When we continue in this story, God comes walking in the garden and they hide from him. And Adam, like he didn't know where he was. Adam, wherefore art thou, Adam? Like, well, we heard you walking and we were naked, so we hid. He told you you were naked. They used to stand before God. They used to walk with God in the cool of the morning. They didn't have this, this, this barrier between them. When we choose ourselves and trust ourselves over God, we damage our relationship with God and we want to hide things. <coughs> it also damages the relationship with others. <laughs> you ever walk into the house and something's broken and you say, who broke this? And everybody said, not me! That's what happens, right? Who told you you were naked? Well, God, that woman you gave me, she took some of the fruit and told me to eat it, and I did. What was I supposed to do? He turns to the woman, and the woman goes, wasn't me. That snake over there. Their relationship was damaged because all of a sudden they're pointing fingers, right? There's, there's, there's no, it was me. It's very rare when we have somebody who wants it. was me. I did it. I broke it. I messed it up. Their relationship with each other was damaged. There's also collateral damage. There's the serpent versus the man. He says, right, I'm going to strike your heel and he's going to crush your head. They're going to have to work and toil in the ground. There's going to be pain with labor. All because they trusted themselves and not life. Temptation in itself isn't a sin. It isn't what causes you to sin. Temptation is that early warning system. <laughs> Temptation is your early warning system. It is. If there is a choice to make, and the choice is me or God, which one are you going to choose? All too often we choose me. Because I know me. Probably why you shouldn't choose me, but I know me, so I choose me. And I don't think about what God wants. And so all of a sudden we find ourselves with all of these consequences, all of these things that are messed up and bad.
that we're going to look in the next few weeks of how to overcome temptation. How to overcome that battle that we're always warring against within us. Because temptations are small and temptations are big, but they're still all temptation. Those kids were tempted to eat that marshmallow. And some of them did. It's just a marshmallow. Maybe for you it's something else. Maybe something big. And you know what God would have you to do? But it's so much easier, it seems, to do what you want to do. Who will you choose when you find yourself tempted? But the first step that we're ever going to have to overcome temptation is a relationship with Jesus. Apart from a saving relationship with Jesus, we don't have the tools that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. The fact that Jesus came and walked this earth and lived a sinless life and was tempted as we are, but overcame. The fact that he died on the cross for our sins and rose on the third day, those things, until we put our faith in that promise, in that truth, all the tools we're going to discuss in the next few weeks aren't going to matter at all. So this morning, as we come to this time of invitation, stop and ask yourself, where do I stand in this? Maybe you've been struggling with the great temptation and you want to give it over to God this morning. Now's the time. Maybe you want to <clears throat> just pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe we'll share into missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning, you have never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, I want to know Him. I want to be clean. I want to be free. I want the chains to be gone. Now's the time. Now's the time to take that step so that you will know that you can have the power to overcome temptation. And during this time of invitation, ready yourself as well for the supper that we're about to partake in, the Lord's Supper, that, that God would work within you during this time. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.